Let's uh, let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Guidance. Dear Lord, we pray that you would guide us in our meeting today and the next few Sundays at this hour so that we might be able to know your will and move ahead as a congregation in our mission. We thank you uh, for each one who could come and pray that you and Holy Spirit uh, continue to bring unity and direction to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me just say a few things, and we've got some papers to pass out and get feedback. About a year and a half ago, the session started on a strategic planning process. Uh, And (coughs) and on top of everything else we do, it's hard for us to, to just have a lot of, to move along quickly in that process. We didn't want to move too quickly anyway, but we just have so many other things to do that it does take a while for us to get started. And we aren't finished. What we have today is a work in progress, is a preliminary, it's a give us feedback and uh, input kind of a stage. Um, I guess it's being recorded so that those who aren't here uh, can, can hear it if they would like to, but um, the strategic plan, as I say, is not finalized. It's just a, a progress report. And, and the reason there are four weeks is because the strategic plan consists of four pillars or four sections. And we're going to do one section each week. Uh, those sections are worship, outreach, uh, building relationships, and teach, teaching discipleship. This morning we're going to start with Building relationships, the fourth of one of the four uh, four uh, pillars, and our purpose is not just to present information for your feedback, but also to help you to see opportunities where you can serve, where you can be a part of making some of these things happen, and where you could be a part of the ministry of the church. So it's not just what do you think; it's also come and help us as we get towards implementing these things. One of, the, one of the sections we spent the most time on is this first one of building relationships. Obviously, worship is primary. Outreach is essential. These are, all of the sections are important. But as we try to look to the future, we have to also recognize our setting and our past. And, and one of the primary challenges as a congregation that we face is a geographical disbursement, a wide number of miles between us. Our children don't go to the same schools, we don't eat shop at the same places, we don't eat at the same places, we don't work in the same places, so we don't see one another hardly at all between Sundays. And consequently, the, the, the power of disconnection is very strong. It's sort of a centrifugal thing. It just sends us out, so to speak. And it's hard for us to find um, common time together. Now, as I came years ago before the building was up, we were talking in those days about using the building as a central campus location for people to gather for common shared ministry. And that has happened some extent. We have Bible school, we have fall festivals, we have grief share, we have Sunday school, we have church in a common central location. But in other ways, we found, I think, coming to, coming to the conclusion here recently, that, that uh, because of the distances and the busy lives that people live, 
uh, we're going to have to do some dispersing of this ministry in order to reach people better where they live and where they are because they don't have a lot of time and they don't want to drive long distances in the middle of the week for other activities. At the same time, people seem to be saying, um, we, we, just, we just want to connect. We don't need more programs or more Bible studies. The church has a lot of those. But we just need time to be together as the body of Christ, to get to know each other better, because we don't know each other that well, and because we are so widely dispersed and so busy in our schedules as suburban Washingtonians and Baltimoreans and all. So this is, and, and in the, up until this point, the church has not adopted a practice of small groups or regular associations of that kind, and so we're on the cusp of, of talking about that now. And of course, if they're going to be small groups, if they're going to be meetings of people to get together, that has to happen with your support. I mean, announcing, uh, for example, the 6 plus 2 program this summer is, is one thing, but doing it is another, and doing it is where you are. Uh, and it's been happening, and we're grateful, but we saw that as a, as a preliminary step to greater connectedness. So in the context of the recent preaching, I think we we want to build upon the unity that's already there by Christ, by His grace and mercy. We want to build on that unity, and we want to deepen it and, and enlarge it and use it as what we hope will also be attractive to other outsiders and people that might come to these small groups who wouldn't come to the church. Now, we're not going to stop having Monday night men's Bible studies, or we're not going to stop having grief share, or stop having Sunday school, but... But I think we're—I think, at least in my thinking, and probably in the sessions thinking, we're—we're—we're going to start doing some more dispersion ministry rather than trying to get everybody to come here for that ministry on campus. What does that look like? Well, that's what we want to talk about. So, if Kevin can pass these out, I'll take a little bit of it, and then he's going to—he's uh, going to take the, the, the latter parts of it. Uh, there's, there's 50 copies. There might be more than that here, so you may have to share with the angel a bit. A common, we're, we're addressing some common challenges. One is, do we have the time for each other? Do we have the space in our lives for each other and gathering? And uh, what are we going to do about our great need for, for rest and, and fellowship and interconnection? Uh, we're already very busy. We don't need to be busier. We need to be more connected, more prayerful, more supportive of each other, more known and inter-known among each other, if that's a word. So we take the unity that we have in Christ, and we see it spread over many miles, and we want to bring that together. Now, if I could have just one of these, I'll take the first couple of pages, the first couple of things. Let me look at the top. More is coming. The following is the mission statement and the, dra and the draft vision statement for the church. Grace E.P. Church's mission is to be a church committed to loving and growing God's people 
through worship, outreach, building community, and teaching God's word in order to glorify God. So those are the, those those shaded areas are the four main segments that we have identified as as, as uh, areas for the church to be involved. Now, these are pillars that would apply to any church, any church you can think of that would go through a a strategic planning process is going to probably come up with these very similar uh, pillars or areas of distinction. Every church worships. Every church is concerned about outreach because of the Great Commission. Every church is concerned about teaching and discipleship because Jesus said, go and teach. And every church is concerned about relationships. So this, is, this part isn't unique. But we face unique challenges because of our geography. Nobody lives in Davidsonville. Where is Davidsonville? It's up here at the crossroads. You know, I mean, there's no, there's no. It, 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 some people know Davidsonville. I don't mean that, but I mean, not a huge, not a huge, uh, you know, concentration. If anything, Edgewater is our number one location. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My father was born in Davidsonville. All right, there you go. In 18 what? something of our strength, something of our special calling as a congregation. So we want to continue that. We don't want to change. We just want to strengthen at this point anyway. Now, the Grace EP Church strategic plan is that in the next three years, we will do some of these matters. I wanted to give Kevin a chance to talk just because I won't think of everything. Give him a chance then to say and take us, walk us through some of these things. Okay? Go ahead. Yeah, and, and I think as we talked about the next, well, one, there's a couple dangers, I think, in, overall in doing this kind of thing. One is to create a whole bunch of expectations that all of a sudden, um, well, you know, we don't want to make promises we can't keep. Um, and then, but the other is to not have a sense of, you know, kind of where we're going and what we're heading and what we value. So, uh in presenting to you something that's kind of half-baked, I think there's an opportunity for us to, to you know, to, that really fosters discussion and helps us to, um, to, for you all to think of lots of things that we haven't thought of. Um, and so this is, you know, as Steve has mentioned, this is, a, you know, this is trying to capture thoughts and working through it. And we've worked through this for a number of months but, you know, if, you know, it's not, is it the next three years, or is it the next, you know, three to five years, or two to four years, or, you know, that's the kind of sense that, that um, um, you know, that the th kind of thing that I want you to hear and understand is that, that this is big picture stuff, and we're trying to take it from big picture down to what does this actually mean, and what, what does it mean practically, and I think that's, um, where then these kind, 
you know, you can see the levels and kind of where this is going. So if our goal in, is to offer a loving environment of growing relationships and connectedness, that's our goal of the community, building community plane of our pillar of our strategic plan, then we identified five things that we thought were objectives to help us meet that goal. One, the first one there, overcoming natural barriers as the family of God. So geographic, demographic, cultural kinds of barriers, um, gen um, generational barriers, are, are real. And, uh, and so we, how do we overcome those in order to then offer a loving environment of growing relationships and connectedness? Does that make sense? Okay. So... Um, I know we, we were while we were in Atlantic City. Um, one of the talks was given by a man who grew up in a Jewish home, who's the director of. His name is David Cohen. He came and uh, when Santa was here, and spoke during the men's breakfast about the work of Hope for Atlantic City, which is the nonprofit organization the church has spun off, and he's the director of that. So he grew up in a Jewish home, became a believer, I think, in his twenties in, in Christ, and so. He was talking about, um, you know, their work there is to build a church in very diverse, uh, among very diverse people. The, the, the neighborhood the church is in is Asian, Latino, for a lot of the people who live there. The, na the neighborhoods that we go into with the housing projects are African American, they're Latino, and then there are lots of other different kinds of people around too. So they're trying to build a church that's very diverse. And so he said when you talk to people about that, they talk about like you've got to break down the walls between the cultures, between the black church and the white church or, or whatever. You, know, you have to kind of break down the walls. And he said, no, 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 wait. Ephesians 2, Jesus broke down the walls. All the walls between believers are broken down. We just have to overcome the, the cultural and, the, in these other cases, demographic, uh, uh, geographic barriers that are between us as believers. But Jesus broke down the wall. Like, the hardest work has been done. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. So we're all, as believers, we're all together, no matter what our background is. We're all united in Christ, as, as, you know, as, we've, been, as we've been seeing. So... Um, so that's one of the objectives, to overcome yeah, natural barriers in order to be what the family of God really looks like. So we talked about what are some tactics, what are some things that we do. Uh, we, would, we should plan quarterly large-scale activities. We do these things. You know, we have the picnic. We had, have done bowling things a couple times since I've been here over the last few years. Um, you know, the day tripper group is plans activities and they go out sailing and they go to museums and they do all of these exciting things. Uh, we've done the hoedown as a, as a fundraiser, as a fellowship kind of thing a couple times. You know, we've done a lot of these kinds of things, but maybe we haven't really planned it quarterly. You know, maybe we haven't really been as intentional as we could be about having these kinds of large, uh, not maybe, we haven't. You know, we haven't planned these things quarterly. We've, they've bubbled up and we've encouraged it. And, um, but, you know, are there ways that we can, uh, can really, you know, make that happen? You know, the other is just sort of a general encouraging families to spend time together. So apparently there's uh, 
group that are going on a cruise yeah. this fall. <laughs> there are, uh, you know, people have been, you know, part of our tradition is people go camping certain weekends together. Um, they, we used to go to Orioles games as a group. Did the Palmers organize that? A, a few times, you know, that, that kind of thing has happened. So We've had a church retreat about 20 years ago. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> church retreat. When, uh, should we do another one of those? So that's the idea, right? You're in charge. You saw it. Um, how are we um, overcoming natural barriers as the family of God to be united and, and to, to do things of common interest together? Number two there is to create opportunities for people to be real, transparent, and accountable with, with one another. So this is the idea of, of that the gospel is going deeper in our lives. Um, so how do we do that? Well, we talked about, um, as a session, what would it look like for us to really encourage and, and to set up small groups as a church? We had fellowship groups that have met in people's homes over the years. Uh, they've kind of been off to the side of the church. If people wanted to do it, we encouraged them to do it, but it was kind of it wasn't an organizing principle of the church. You know, it wasn't um, it wasn't that. And and this doesn't have to be, but I think that the session has come to the realization that, as Steve said, that we need to take we can't expect to to have everything happen here. And there are people who want more fellowship and connection. And so let's let's encourage them and, and let's do that as a part of as a part of the organizing principle of our church. And so we need to train group leaders. And then we need to um, uh, you know plug people in. Our shepherding groups have been this idea that um, that are as elders that we're that we have people who we want to stay in contact with. But those shepherding groups were never really designed to be small groups to get together often. Um, they're too big in, many, in most cases. But it's designed uh, more for the next one, to catch the people who are falling through the cracks kind of a thing, or to make sure that everyone's connected. And, and you know, we've realized for, I don't know, two or three years that our shepherding groups are kind of not really working. They're not really active. They, you know, the shepherding groups help help host the fellowship time. And some have met, you know, more often than others, and some are more active. I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, but but I mean um, it's not the same thing as a, as, a, as a small group ministry, where the expectation is that we would be meeting together a couple times a month, or every week, or, you know, whatever it is, as part of of um, going deeper that's part of number two uh, being accountable being transparent, being real and growing uh, closer relationships with a small group um, does that make sense? Um, number three says provide practical shepherding care, support for the broken and needy within the body, that's all of us of course the broken and needy are all of us um <laughs> being a friend to the friendless, but particularly we're talking about those with, with physical needs um, and and those who who have a need of 
of a kind of care where the church can come around them. And we all need that from time to time, of course. Um, but uh, catch people falling through the cracks. You know, in our fast-paced culture here, there are people who are in, who are left in the dust. Um, you know, all around us. And I'm sure some of us in this room feel that way. Like, you know, my career hasn't taken off like other people's careers have taken off or, or you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, of course, the, this is something that the Mercy Deacons do. Um, at, at very well. And that they're really doing a great job of identifying people within the congregation and outside of the congregation who, who need... Uh, practical shepherding, practical kind of care and support going through a difficult time. So um, that's something that Mercy Deacons do. Is this is this then, you know, that tactic number two there? Is this within the small group ministries? You can see how this is kind of, of um, you know, not finished, not all tightened up. As, are, do we assign people to call everyone in the congregation? that everyone in the congregation gets a phone call once a month from someone to say, you know, how are you doing? Or, you know, as part of, as part of having oversight, as part of, of reaching out to those who are within um, our midst. Uh, to have a caring ministry. Um, this, this happens informally. Debbie in the office does so much of this you all could, cannot imagine. Like, I'm going to brag on Debbie for a few minutes because she just, she does. She just organizes stuff when someone, when someone has a, a baby or someone lost. Even if Debbie doesn't do all of the organizing, she, she knows if it's happening or not. She's, she's making it happen. She's, she's finding out who are doing different things. So she's such an important person in terms of that kind of stuff. I remember when we first moved here, we lived in Crofton, and at that time... There was a northern caring ministry coordinator and a southern caring ministry coordinator, right? It was Mary Hall and Sarah Thiessen, I think. And so when anybody had a baby, anybody's in the hospital, depending on if they lived, I don't know what the boundary line was. If you live north of this line, then Mary is the one who organizes people. And if you live south of this line, then, then Sarah Thiessen does that. And, um, uh, and so... When we moved in, there were a number of meals that people drove all the way to Crofton to bring to us to say, hey, welcome to Grace, and uh, you know, here's some food for you, and thank you. And some, so some of this stuff is happening still, um, how do you call it? You know, sort of grassrootsy, informally. Um, and Debbie usually knows what's going on. Um, in the office, we kind of have often a sense of what's going on. But, you know, it, can we make that stronger? Can we um, have better communication so that we know those needs and can respond to them and can engage a group of people to help respond to those kinds of needs? Um, hospital visitation or, you know, things like that the same way. Um, a lot of churches have kind of a lay counseling ministry, Stephen Ministries or something, where people are trained to... Um, who have the time and the gifts to spend time with people who are lonely, to spend time with people who are not able to get out of the house, um, to, 
to do that kind of, to spend time with people who are going through something hard and they just want some, someone to talk to. Um, I know, and I've been in churches where you see those little, they just have those little cards. And you fill out the card that you want to talk to someone and then put it in the offering and someone calls you and says, you know, let's set up a time and let's, let's meet and talk. Um, you know, is that something that would be, that would be a fit for our congregation? Do we have the Do we have the resources to to do that? Um, I think it would be nice if you and Steve cut my lawn once in a while, <laughs> just once a month or so. <laughs> Talk to Dan if you have a lawnmower and <laughs> lawn mowing ministry. You stop by his house after you're yes, done at mine. <laughs> I got a writer. House cleaning. <laughs> So, how are we providing practical care and support for those who are, you know, in our midst and, and who have particular needs? Is there a way we can engage? It's the it's the matching up of gifts and needs, and I think the sermon today is you know is such a beautiful illustration of the matching up of gifts with needs. And are there, I mean, maybe that's, you know, I think that's number three here. How can we, as a church, uh, improve, be better at matching up and uh, finding the needs and then knowing um, how to help meet those needs in a practical way as a body? Because that's, you know, what we're called to be. Um, number four says promote and foster fellowship opportunities to invite newcomers, extend hospitality, and gather people together. So again, this is um, has ha- shares some. You can use the same in the strategic process. You learn a lot. Planning process. You learn a lot about trying to talk through what are objectives, what are goals. What are tactics? What are implementation things? You know, like you try to use all of this language. You can have, it is allowed to have a tactic that meets more than one objective. That is that is not forbidden. That is encouraged <laughs> in the strategic planning process. So you can see that the tactic number one there and number four has something to do with what we saw at the beginning, or even under number one. Are we co- coordinating a number of church-wide events throughout the year and things that are that we can invite our neighbors to, um, you know, not just that. This is that's the heart of number four is more about inviting newcomers and extending hospitality uh, and gathering people. It's a little bit different than number one, which is overcoming the barriers between us that are natural based on where we live and all of that. So uh, some of the same events could be used in multiple ways, right? So we can invite people who we know to have a laid-back, fun, family event with our church body. And wouldn't that be fun to help them see the need for community? Because I think as we see the need for community as a church, as, as the session has you know, talked about this, as we've seen how, how spread out we are, I think our communities are full of people who are unconnected to one another and who are, who are lonely, busy and lonely. Um, and so is that a way for us to draw
draw people to the gospel by drawing them into a group of people who are in fellowship and who are connected to one another and who care about each other. Um, the 6 plus 2 ministry has been an example of, of in, enfolding new people and extending hospitality and having meals in each other's homes. I can tell you a number of homes that we were in when we did 6 plus 2 was the last time we did it? Five years ago? Before this last round? I mean, five or six years ago? Um, we were in Callan Benz's home, which was, you know, in the parking lot of the Doubletree Hotel there. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, I remember, because we were there. And that was a, a, a real way to feel connected to them that can't happen nearly so easily or, or so often on Sunday morning. Um, explore creating a greeting or follow-up ministry for visitors. You know, we have something of that. If someone fills out a blue card, then they get a letter from us that week, and, uh, you know, then we try to follow up in different ways to encourage them to come back. But, um, and we've talked about, uh, you know, Charles and Mitzi Wicker have a burden for this. They've talked about, you know, can we give some kind of something bigger, something um, that that goes the next mile and, you know, delivers a plate of cookies or, you know, meets, I don't know, you know, does that work in this culture? What if someone, you know, shows up at your door and... Hope you'll raise Would that be seen as a little too weird? Or would that be seen as something that's refreshingly countercultural to not be a salesperson showing up at your door <laughs> and saying, hey, we, we uh, saw that you visited our church and we just wanted to stop by. Don't invite us in, you know. But um, we just wanted to say hello and we live down the street and, you know. get started that that thing that never stops you know where you keep adding to that oh, the, friendship. The, uh, the friendship bread that multiplies and grows and never stops we can have it down here in the church you maintain it in the office every day taking turns maintaining the bread that we can make ready. you know you know, you know something you know when we have when we have visitors you know is, you know Grace offers a lot. There's a lot of different ministries and things like that, and it's we really don't have a systematic approach to uh, to engage these these new people. You and Steve, you know, you're only two people. I know a lot of us. If we see somebody new, Lyle or Chuck or Gloria or myself, we'll try to engage with them. And then you, we got so much to offer. It might be, and I'm just thinking out loud, is is to say, you know, engage them and give them a, like a little welcome folder. You know, showing like a profile of, of, the, of the ministry leaders, the different opportunities. So, 
they can go home and peruse that and then maybe visit our website and things like that, but at least they can see, boy, look at all these look at all these opportunities. We do have. Yeah. They're but but it should be like I, I think as as a congregation we should be cognizant when we see a new face is to engage them and say, Hey, you know, before you leave, let me give you let me give you this folder. It tells you all the different things we have. We'd love to talk more about it, you know, take a look at it. And at least they're leaving they're leaving with the materials that they can uh, they can research and and, uh, and see what's available to them. Right, right, you know? right. Um, I just want to make a comment to everybody. I know Kevin mentioned this this morning, and it's in the bulletin, but it, since we're talking about the new uh, people visiting the church, um, we are in desperate need of nursery workers. I can't, it's been communicated we are really, really struggling. Each week you see that there's volunteers needed. And nothing will turn off a young family visiting faster than there's no nursery help. So I really am begging you all to really consider one time, if we can get enough people, it's only once every six weeks. So really, really please prayerfully consider that. And I'm just really, really pleading for you all because it's, um, it's a huge burden on the few people that are doing it uh, week after week after week. Yeah, yeah, we have to have, you know, Scott, you mentioned something uh, about the website, which isn't even on here, but how can we build community through our website? Do we have the functionality? We're electronically. You know, Debbie has a face. We have a Facebook page. Um, we have. We've got the church directory app, which is really cool, actually. If you have downloaded that, like everybody's phone number and email address. Not the birthdays. Aren't the birthdays aren't on the app? You get the printout. Birthdays are important. I'd rather do it 
know that there's, you know, maybe a little committee of people that can do that kind of thing. You notice somebody come in and you make an effort to call them, invite them for lunch. You know, just like you're talking about taking bread to them. Well, I don't bake. Buy a machine. How about Jeff? Yeah, and I don't want to use it as an excuse. I think it's a challenge. Yeah. Because I do think that the other places, the congregation that we were at in Marion, Alabama, was like average attendance of in the 30s. But I would see those people everywhere all week long. I would see them at the grocery store. I would see them at the bank. They worked at the bank. One of them was the banker. You know, they were, they were everywhere. You had to go to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> to not see people from church. <laughs> you go to a restaurant and there would be someone from church there. It's a church of 50 people. We just have a completely, and I think that was Steve's experience in Tennessee and Nebraska, in smaller towns. Like you run into church people everywhere. That builds a community, and it doesn't happen here. It builds a community around uh, where you feel a connection that, that grows. Uh, naturally um, and so like I never ever ever go to Shadyside I mean unless there's something you know, I mean I just it's not on the way to anywhere unless we're going down to visit the Ziggas or you know going to Cedarhurst or something you know unless there's some reason yeah. and so I think that that um, you know it, it, it is a part of the challenge of the culture and of our, lo our location. And I, I mean, it's, I don't want to use it as an excuse. Yeah, no. But, and, and people need to make, you know, effort for, for what is important to them. And, and I, you know, but um, that, that's, I mean, it's, it's, different, it's a difference. It's, it's, it's a difference. It's not insurmountable at all. We're here. We're a church. We're here. We got people from Huntingtown to Bowie to Annapolis. Crofton to Edgewater. Edgewater. 
to Dunkirk to, you know, Shady Side. Nick. Uh, one example is just this morning I saw someone that used to be in the Sunday school class I used to be in um, when her son was in Sunday school. Well, now her son's in college now. And it's like, oh, I never see you anymore. You know, and so she says, well, our schedules are different now, now that we don't have a kid that needs to be here. Um, you know, and I told her about Bible study, but she lives way up north of here. And so during the week, when you're working all week and you have to drive all the way to where we are, it's kind of a hike. So it's, it's that type of thing where distance can be a problem, you know, when there's a Bible study during the middle of the week and it's too far to drive because you've worked all day and you're exhausted, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's nice to have these other opportunities, like six plus two or something, that can happen like after church, per se, um, for lunch, where people are already here and can get together and um, have time to fellowship and get to know one another more and build those relationships. At one time, we used to have lunches after church, and uh, all, all, everyone, the newcomers were invited. Mm-hmm. And so, they might come that day and they could have lunch. Mm-hmm. But we'll do that yeah. I was just going to offer a slightly contradictory, and I guess is my want. Um, but slightly the, or, or? I was trying to be subtle, but no, I, I don't know what I do. Um, in that for us living in Bowie, this is the central meeting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to go to Edgewater, to go to people in Shadyside, it, it, not to say it's more of a burden, it's not a burden. We love the people who, who are here who live in those areas, and it's always a joy <laughs> to be with them. But if it's, you know, if the, if the interest is in increasing or decreasing the barriers by increasing convenience, for us, this is the, the convenient spot to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just again, just based on the geography alone. Uh, and we, we find that, you know, for, for us, that the primary interest is, is Abby, you know, being five years old, wanting to be with, with those, you know, with, with the peer group. Um, so, again, just, just putting that out there as, as a, you know, as a contradictory voice. Well, yeah, and there are some people who live really close to the church, and this is a, this yeah. is very convenient. Yeah, absolutely. And, and most of, most people south of us are oriented towards the north. So they drive by the church easily because everything is in Annapolis. Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. Hand. Um, I'm kind of hearing two things, and I think if we could pull out a distinction, it might, I, categories always help me, and so I would just throw this out there. On the one hand, I'm hearing a lot about commitment to fellowship and to meeting together. And I think that's something that we as members of the church should hear and we should it should hearken us back to the membership vows we took to be a part of this body. It should remind us of what we read in scripture about being a body, choosing choosing to meet together and making that a scheduling priority. That's one part. But we also need to think about barriers kind of actually Nikki Worth can carry or maybe we're both from Cherry, but um, Go with the first one. making the barriers to entry lower 
because there are people, maybe even some in this room, but maybe many outside of this room, who haven't taken membership vows to this church, who have many options on Sundays and Wednesdays and throughout the week. And there's something to be said for making it a little bit easy. Um, and Kevin and I learned this lesson, um, I would say painfully, that's a little dramatic, but as we worked with the Young Families Group over the past couple of years. As young families, there are so many barriers to entry for fellowship. There are nap time schedules, eating schedules, preferences about location and what we do. And, and some of that, the Ball family, and I would say some of the Young Families, we, we needed to die to. We needed to die to preferences and demands about schedule and geography because we needed to be committed to each other and meet together. On the other hand, there were some things we could do to make the barriers to entry to joining up for those fellowship events a little bit easier. We could make the food demands less. We could be flexible with scheduling. We could do easier things versus hard things if you're toting your three kids along. Mm -hmm. And I think on the one hand, like when we took membership vows to this church, and I can say that because I did, Kevin did, but I did. <laughs> I, I've, did. Got a, I've got a... Kevin's not a member. I have to die to myself in choosing church and church scheduling and fellowship sometimes. And I think maybe we all need to do that sometimes. On the other hand, for people on the outside who we would like to bring in, there's something to be said for making it a little easier. And I know this will probably come up again when we talk about outreach, but I think it's also central to this discussion. Like, there are two things going on, and we've got to address both when we think about fellowship and choosing community with each other. But, but that also highlights the fact that there is no one answer to all, and so we can't say this choice will solve all the problems. We have to have a flexibility of options. Right and not say, well, if we do this, then it's all solved. Well, I think about that even with respect to, like, VBS. Like, I'll be quick, but this is important. <laughs> so, <laughs> on the one... is at home, too. <laughs> I do. So it's painful. He's tired. <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand, like, we have people, Kathy Shields just said, she's not a computer person. She's not going to be engaged with the church's Facebook page or directory app or whatever. And that's real. And so how can we sort of target the not focused on your handheld device group? That's real. We also have families, and we saw this at VBS, like we, tons of families from Central Elementary who we know from school came to VBS. They all know us, like Kevin and I. They know that we worship at this church. We're, you know, we kind of friend of a friend thing. No one talked to us in person about VBS. It was all through the church website, all through... Um, and then, like there was some discussion well, on Sarah Vanders. Um, there was some discussion on the Facebook page about it. But even though they knew us, no one texted me about BBS. Everyone just wanted to handle it all through the website. And so, you know, that's sort of a, the website is a real gateway for people, some people getting involved in the church, as is the Facebook page. On the other hand, there are some people who are never going to go there. Not just Kathy. I'm just dreaming. <laughs> 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 so we've got we've got to be in both places. Is like kind of. Well, there's scripture behind that. You know, be all things to all people. Yeah. That we might say some. I think a lot of our military people have come because of the, the website. Absolutely. You know, they move into an area. Well, let's look at the, you know. Mm -hmm. 
there, Andy, was it Andy Rowan who found us before they moved here, talked to you before they even moved here so that when they moved here they wouldn't have to do any church shopping, they would just come. Yeah. One of the interesting things about community is sometimes it's the focus, and that's why we're doing a particular thing, and, and we bring an intentionality to it. And sometimes it comes out of serving together to accomplish a different goal. Yes. So although it, these are outreach strategies, these are community strategies here, you know, some of the, the strongest relationships that I have built in the course of than working alongside people with BBS or, you know, or music or a whole bunch of, you know, any of the different things that I've done along the way. And so one of the things we lost when we didn't have to set up all the chairs on Sunday morning because we had a building was that we had to set up the chairs on Sunday morning. Yeah. And we had to <laughs> and so you, you had a, that connection that happened just by that piece of it. And so I think, you know, I would love to take this these ideas in some way into the, uh, the rest of the discussions how do we build community as we reach out? How do we build community as we worship? How do we build, you know, in whatever the other things are? Because it shouldn't just be about getting together to serve. It's, you know, the, the community piece of it can and should happen as part of us serving together and doing that out. Mm -hmm. a, a perfect example of that is the green team. Hey, the green team. <laughs> really great plans and ideas. Is there one that you, that needs to be implemented sooner than later? Mm -hmm. uh, what are you, I mean, because you, like you said, this isn't complete, but I think that our church needs something now. Mm -hmm. So what is the thought process behind what you're going to, my personal, I think the small groups, I know the shepherding groups were really important because we felt plugged in. Gloria and Chuck were our um, uh, shepherding group leaders, we felt plugged in, we felt um, a sense of community, we felt that they reached out to us to tell us about all these other things, so what is, I don't know what the session is thinking. Mm -hmm. I, well, I would summarize by saying that 6 plus 2 we thought would be a pump primer, a start in that direction, that we hoped if it was well supported, would lead to some kind of small group interactions set up this fall. That seems to have happened. There were more 6 plus 2 groups signed up for this year than any other time we did it. So we hope that coming out of that, maybe not by the 1st of September, but before too much longer, based on these discussions and others, that we can get something going there. Let me, let me try to summarize just briefly as we're running out of time. Next week, we'll look through all of the New Testament-specific expressions of the gifts of the Spirit. There are about a, a dozen to 15. They're not exhaustive, but they're, they occur more than once usually, and they're clearly set forth in that way. They can be categorized in a number of ways, but what I'm going to categorize them is in three different areas. The prophetic gifts, having to do with preaching and evangelism and teaching. The priestly gifts, which have to do with what we've been talking about today, mercy and counseling and interaction and encouragement. And the kingly gifts, which have to do with wisdom and administration and judgment and leadership and that sort of thing. Some of you may be sitting there today saying this has all been in a foreign language to me because my gifts are probably in the prophetic realm or my gifts, my interests are more in the uh, kingly realm. I'm an, uh, you know, I, I'm an organizer, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't care about all the nuances of relationship. I just want to get the job done. I want to get the boat from A to B. We need all of you. 
But particularly if this has resonated with you, then you probably have gifts and inclinations in the so-called priestly area of interaction and uh, service and ministry. And regardless of whether we have small groups set up this fall in some nice, neat little structure, we need the kind of things that have been expressed here today, the informal ad hoc stuff that happens on the phone and in person and in our things down here, interacting, reaching out, looking forward to this. This is just a general call to, to support. Now, this last section here asks, mentions that we're going to try to have um, a, a ministry leader for this area. Might be you. It might be you, or it might be three or four of you, a little team. Uh, we also try to have a supervisory ruling elder of the session. Uh, right now, that person is live, and uh, he's serving, and he helped to set up the six plus two, and he and Bobby are... Actually, Bobby did it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, assigned a ministry committee for input or advice. Now, you know how Presbyterians love committees. <laughs> it's not in the Bible, but we put it in everything else. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, committees, as you know, can be, can go nowhere, but maybe a task force is a better word. Uh, give them a job, and if they're half as good as the green team, we'll be doing great. <laughs> the green team, they go from point A to point B every week, rain or shine, and this place is amazing. But, oh my goodness, if they, if you, if they miss two weeks, it wouldn't be amazing. It's a big job. So thank you for your input. Let us know more. Hear from it. Call. Us. You know, we're soliciting your support. And when you hear in the future that there will be, you know, this or that starting, help us. We, we you know, the call from the pulpit, the call from the front of the church or the bulletin is, is, is just the first step. The, the, the key of it is your response and your involvement and your commitment. So let, let's pray as we go. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you brought us together as a body. We pray that we might function effectively by caring for one another. If one part is hurting, may we reach out and care for the other. And, and if one part is strong, may, may we not be built up in ourselves, but be humble and patient, as Paul writes, that we might be uh, living a life worthy of the calling that you've given us in Christ Jesus. Guide us now this week, we pray, and help solidify those bonds in Christ that, that are already there. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you all. Alrighty. I was <laughs> I was very concerned about